0: Well, good morning, church. Would you open your copy of God's Word to 1 John? 1 John, if you hit Revelation, you've gone too far, it's the time for us to talk about the battle. And the battle is real. We talked about last week as we kicked off that the, the struggle is so real and we have real enemies and so often we get it wrong, that we're, we're fighting the wrong enemies, we're fighting with the wrong resources, we're fighting in the wrong way, with the wrong attitude at the wrong time, with the wrong motives, and we want this series to be such a breakthrough series, understanding the battle that we truly are in. We talked about three enemies last week, talked about the world, we talked about the devil, we talked about our flesh, and today, in the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through slowly each one of these enemies of our soul, the enemies that we truly do need to be targeting, we need to be aware of, and we need strategies to fight And so today, we're going to be looking at this one. We're going to be looking at the world, okay? Do you realize that the world's not your friend? The world is your enemy. Turn to your neighbor and say, the world is your enemy. Remind them. Uh, This place is not a happy place for Christians. This world is not a place where we're comfortable, where we're at home. Every day should remind us, in light of the world we live in, that this is not the end of the story. This is not the place that we belong. The story is not over yet. And there soon will come an end where we are free from this place and this place is going to end. And heaven being our home is where we finally say, no more enemies. The war is over. No more battling. I am free and I am at rest and I hope you long for that day. But until peace comes, until shalom is our final resting place of home, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth, until then, the battle is real. And today we want to look at this. I'm in the world, but am I worldly? I'm in the world because we all are, right? Saved and unsaved alike. Do you believe that? We're all in this together, right? Jesus talks a lot about the the wheat and the weeds. They're all growing up together. We're talking about the sheep and the goats. We're all in this together but we're not all the same and so all of us are in the world but you have to ask yourself but am i worldly where is my allegiance where is my citizenship who do i belong to even though i'm in the world do i look and smell and talk and value what the world does am i worldly well we we could look at Matthew 22 and and we're not going to go there, but just in your mind, be thinking about the greatest command. We, we have the greatest that Jesus says, and it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Real love, right? heavenly love, is so different than worldly love. right? He says that you, you can't be a, a friend of this world and a friend of God. It's either or, it can't be both and. And so we would say this, in the vertical, love is God before me. As we think about our vertical relationship, if we truly have experienced love and we love, it's God before me. God, your will be done, not mine. God, it's your way, not mine. God, you before me. In the horizontal, what does this look like? It looks like not just God before me, but then you, others, individuals, people around me, you before me. Because God is above all, now I can place people And their needs above my own. I can consider others more important than myself, Paul says in Philippians. But worldliness does not love that and doesn't see with those kind of eyes. That perspective is not in the world. In the world, it's love is always me before you. It's always my thing and my way. It's all about me. And I don't know if you're still there. Maybe this morning you've walked in you're like, yeah, what's wrong with that? The battle that you have is between you and God. For those of us that know that's the old me and I'm trying to put that to death, we acknowledge that the battle is real to go back to that place that we've been set free from. So here we go. Title of the message, worldliness. Worldliness, battling love God hates. Battling love God hates. Do you believe that there's a type of love that God hates? It's the love of the the world. God hates it. We need to find out why. So if you're in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to just be looking at three verses. Somebody say, I can handle that. You got that, right? You got that, three verses. Okay. We got four points. I know some of you are like, how do you even do that? How do you get four points out of three verses? It's pretty wild, the things that happen in the study throughout the week, but there's so, so much here. So before we dive in and we talk about this topic that you may say amen a lot, or you may say, uh-oh, a lot. I don't know what type of message this is for you, but can we just be all in agreement that God is absolutely clear. He hasn't minced words. It's not confusing. It's real clear. And all of us have a choice to make. What direction are we headed? What are we living for? What do we love? What are the desires of our heart? <sighs> Loving the world is hating God. Loving the world is Hating God. Verse 15, do not love the world. Not a suggestion, a command, right? John here is making an appeal to the early church. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Somebody say that's clear. That's clear. It's crystal clear. If if world love fills me, Father love cannot. If world love fills me, father love cannot it's either or not both and these are mutually exclusive in our inclusive culture it's really hard for us to think in terms sometimes of black and white right and wrong absolutes and here john is so passionate to clarify for us that it's either or so what what in the world does world mean because do you think that's kind of an important question so if I love something and it means I hate God, I better know what that something is. Because if I'm confused about what that means, we're going to be led down a path that is very unhelpful and even dangerous. Do you believe that? Do you believe that words matter? Words matter to God. That's why he spoke words. That's why he wrote words. God loves words. He created words. And he gives us words like "cosmos" in the Greek. What in the world does world mean? Anybody interested in finding out? There's a lot at stake here if we don't know what it means. 250 times in the New Testament, this term is used and it's used in three primary ways. Are you tracking with me? Tracking with me? We're going to go quickly through this. The world means planet, people, system. Planet, people, system. you tracking? Planet, people, system. It means planet, Acts 17, 24, for instance. The God who made the world, planet, everything in it, in the planet, on the planet Earth, being Lord of heaven and Earth, He does not live in temples made by man. But is is that what John's talking about? Is he just talking about the planet? Somebody say, you're cold. We're cold here. We got to keep searching. We got to get warmer. Got to get warmer. Okay, we're on the hunt. Does it mean people? John 3.16. Anybody familiar with that one? John 3.16. Even if you hate God and you go to a baseball game, you might know John 3.16. It means people. For God so loved the world, he doesn't love the planet so much. That he would send his son. He loves the people on the planet. He loves people that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He loves people. Somebody say we're getting warmer. We're getting a little warmer here, okay? Planet, people, warmer, warmer. But we got to get right there what John is talking about in 1 John 2. Where are we? What is the bullseye? And it's this. It's the world's system. It's a system, okay? Mark four nineteen gives us a little bit of understanding. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires uh, for things, other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. The cares of the world, we're talking about a system that's working against what God is doing. Some of you say we're hot. Yeah, right there, right there. This is it. We're standing right there in the understanding of the use of cosmos here and it's. The system, John 1.10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him, referring to Jesus. He was in the world, he was on the planet, he was with the world, the people, and the people rejected him because the system is set up to reject God. The world, if you're taking notes, the world is Satan's, do you get this? It's Satan's system. It's Satan's system for opposing the work of Christ. The world is Satan's system for opposing the work of Christ. Do you see why we're getting a little bit more understanding as to why if you love the world and the things in the world that you cannot love God? Because it's Satan's system. It's his jurisdiction. And you can't love Satan and his stuff and the Savior at the same time. you got to pick sides. And that's why there's so much at stake. So, so what does it mean to be worldly, to be of the world? Do you believe that in a, in a group this size that we, we might have a few different definitions or examples, illustrations of worldliness? Would you believe it? Okay. So, so should, we, should we take a poll? Everybody in favor of talking in church, right? All in favor of just a dead monologue. I need some help here, people. This is a dialogue, okay? All right. So when you think of worldly, something that's worldly or someone that's worldly, help me out. What in the world does worldly mean to you? Okay. So somebody shout something out. Huh? Somebody that's not saved. Worldly. What else? Somebody living in sin. Okay. What else? All right. Costin's clearly worldly. What else? Huh? Yeah. So lifestyles. Hostile. Okay. Money, okay, the love of money, not money itself. Okay, what else? Materialism. Okay, you think of materialism, worldly, synonymous. Anybody else? Gossip, Gossip? That, that would land in there. What else, what else? Help me out, help me out. Kiki. Don't take notes right now. Talk to me, talk to me. We're talking, we're talking, we're talking. You'll take <laughs> notes later, all right? What you got? Worldly, worldliness. What do we got, what do we got? Phones, phones. clearly the phones are the devil. Lydia. Yes, social media, devices, technology, addiction. addiction. Okay. Huh? Okay. Cohabitation, living together, what else? Huh? Okay, so the world has standards, and if you live according to that, all right. Adultery, anybody just want to spend another half hour talking about all, all things that are worldly? All right, so what's the point, preacher? What's the point? What's the point? Because worldliness and being in the world and of the world, we have some kind of definition or idea or snapshot as to what that means and those were all really good answers and I have really bad news for you because they're all wrong okay so are you ready are you are you ready okay that's why you come to church okay worldly here we go here we go worldly is not a selection of behaviors it's not a selection of exterior expressions here's a really hard truth you cannot tell if a Christian is worldly just by looking at them you can't tell because worldliness is a matter of the heart and exterior expressions guess what we're talking fruit we need to be talking root we're talking about the outside we need to be talking about the inside is it true because i I just had a conversation this past week okay can we get real practical i can't believe that she has a nose ring that is really worldly and i just paused i said maybe 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 Well, they don't just have like a cute little diamond ring. They have a bull ring on their nose. That's especially worldly. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a possibility. Did you see the tattoo? That was the week before. Did you see the tattoo they have? That's worldly. Maybe. I mean, that's a possibility, right? Did, Did you hear what they're listening to? That's worldly. Maybe, maybe. See, the reality is, people's hearts are in very different places even though the expression might look a certain way if someone is openly living an adulterous lifestyle i think we could could probably go okay unashamed sex with someone that's not in a marriage doesn't care and is posting it on social media like we're getting closer to clarity of yeah yeah 99 okay we're, we're getting closer we're getting closer right but the, exter- the external behavior is so alluring to us to be able to define, here's the categories, here's the boxes I created, here's the hooks that I hang these ideas on, and what if God wants to take us to school and wants to clarify some things, all right? So that we all have the same foundation. We're all starting in the same place. Because you cannot tell, if a Christian is worldly by looking at them, only the mirror for self-assessment can come from God's Word alone. Do you believe that? From God's word alone. My strong conviction is, yeah, but does God's word say that? So what does God think about that? I know what you think about that, but we got to ask, God, did you say that? Is that what you said? Or is that what we were told? Because the battle is in identifying the love. Somebody say love, because it's an issue of love. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of what we desire, what we want, what we love, not necessarily the starting point of the outside. So worldliness has always been an issue of the heart. And what if, <laughs> everybody ready? What if, what if, what if my list doesn't make it on God's list? Whose list are we going with? And some of us are like, I need to think about that. I know that's the problem. Right? There, there might be some things on my list that are not on God's list. And so what is on God's list? What if God would just give us a list? God, Would you just give us a list and write it down? Ah! And I opened the Bible and there it was. There is a list. There is a list. We just got to keep reading. It's right there. So what's on God's list? What's on God's list? Am I worldly? And if so, am I fighting the right battle? Here's God's list. Let's, Let's start back at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. What are the things in the world we must not love? Verse 16. All that is in the world god's like uh these things these things this this is my list the desires of the flesh the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but it's from the world so if you're taking notes jot this down number two worldly love is all about me who is it all about point to who it's all about Right here, I'm the issue. I'm the problem. It's right inside here. Worldliness is not an issue of what's going on out there. It's what's happening in here. Can we be honest? We don't like that answer. Don't like it. Don't like it. Would rather pay attention, would rather be able to point the finger, would rather be preoccupied with what's happening out there. And God says, I'm really concerned about what's happening in here because if it's all about me and yet i say i'm all about he then we have a conflict right there's a problem so should we go one by one just walk through it super clear i'm not even getting real creative here okay just trying to bring it to the bottom shelf all right cookie jar down low number one god says desires of the flesh desires of the flesh john 6 63 it's the spirit who gives life the flesh is no help at all. How much is the flesh? No help, no help, no help. Philippians 3.3, 3, we put no confidence in the flesh. How much confidence? None, none at all. Galatians 5, now the works of the flesh, they're evident. They do show up. We do see them on the outside, but it's all about what started on the inside. What are some of the obvious, evident things? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity or hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. The reason he couldn't put in an exhaustive list is like just stuff like that. It just, it always comes out a little different, but it's always sourced in the same place from the flesh, the desires of the flesh. And he says this I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of god those that live in the flesh pursuing a lifestyle of flesh prove that they are not christians they're not saved heaven is not their home and it's obvious but instead of getting preoccupied about the outside we just need to keep coming back to what's going on inside of these individuals particularly what's going on inside of me so what is what is the flesh Uh, One one author said, drop the H, spell it backwards. What do you get? It's all about self. It was supposed to be all about him from the very beginning, and I've made it all about self. I've made it all about me. What I feel, what I want, what I desire, the way I see things, self, self, self. Somebody say self. 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 It's all about self. So what is flesh? Okay, let's bring it way down. Three words. Me. Feel good. All right. Is that I, I can't simplify it anymore. Okay. If that's not landing, no hope. Okay. There's no hope. Me feel good. Does this make me feel good? How do I feel about it? How do I feel? And, and I want to feel good. And I, I can't argue that it's wrong because it feels so right. And that's the problem with the, the flesh, the desires of the flesh. The flesh wants to feel all the feels how about number two he doesn't stop there he doesn't say that's your only problem that's the real issue that's worldliness no the heart of worldliness also is about the desires of the eyes the desires of the eyes it's right there not making it up right there in scripture desires of the flesh desire the eyes and the word we could use there is lust unfortunately we can't even say lust in our age because it just means one thing for thousands of years, lust just meant really, really strong desire. And some of us, we lust chocolate cake. No sexual connotation there, okay? We lust. We lust sweet tea. We lust it. We lust it. So, lust is a strong desire. Yes, some of the fruit on the tree of lust, of the desires of the eyes, has to do with sexuality, okay? Some of it, some of it, maybe more so now than ever in, in our nation but I couldn't get it down to three words. Can you bear with me? Four words. Whew, sorry. Somebody take a deep breath because this is a lot. It's a lot to digest. I know. Me, see, must have. Okay. All right. Can we? All right. Just trying to bring it down. I see it. I want it. Gotta have it. I gotta have it. I see it. Gotta have it. See it. Gotta have it. And the space between those two is a matter of how long you have been indoctrinated and swimming in the swamp of the world because for many of us, we could say there was a time when see and must have was a very short gap. Saw it, got it, saw it, got it, right? Whether it was a truck to sex, whether it was uh, the, the adult toy of my, my boat to my four-wheeler, whatever it was, see it, gotta have it. There's a short leash there, right? For some of us, it's shopping. Now we have Amazon, so see it, click it, got it. Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble, aren't we? So easy to have the desires of the eyes become a reality and a lifestyle. How about this? Number three, because he doesn't stop there, he keeps going. He says, here, here's the unholy trinity, desires of the flesh, desire of the eyes, pride of life, pride of a lifestyle, maybe achievements, maybe possessions, maybe accomplishments, number of different translations translated all over the place even one said, a desire to appear important. I want to look a certain way. I need to have a certain status. And do you believe that we live not just in a country, but maybe when we hone in and we get really specific about the state we live in and even the region we live, do you believe that there's an escalated pursuit of image and status? I will live on a dirt floor if I can have a brand new car out front. As long as I get to pull up in a brand new truck, it doesn't matter what's going on out here. As long as I have clothes on Sunday, it doesn't matter what's in my closet. I need to look a certain way. I need you to think of me a certain way, and I will not settle. And if you ever threaten my image that I'm pursuing, then you are going to face my wrath you're going to offend me. I am going to be hurt and I'm going to harbor it. I'm going to keep record because you, you kind of poked around at the pride of life, the pride that so controls me. What is pride? Bottom line, we could say, me look good. Me look good. I need to look good. Is that you? And maybe in those three, you go, well, how how about two out out of three ain't bad, right? At least I didn't hit three out of three. For some of us, one of those rises to the top of, wow. And do you know what's so dangerous, especially about church? Church can be such a dangerous place because every time we read anything like this, there is a reflex. We have an elbow reflex and it's, there's something so difficult about focus, mirror, me. Not mirror, take a pixie. Not I wish they were here and they should hear this and this is for them. It's really hard for us to say. Worldliness doesn't just visit, but sometimes parks outside and tries to stay, right? In my life, not somebody else's, in me. So behind the battle of worldliness, could we picture it this way, are three gates, okay? And, and maybe this, this was helpful for me, just wrestling with how do, how do we... How do we understand this three gates for the enemy to gain access to my heart three separate gates some of us are going through nehemiah right and and maybe some of us are even this morning like just fascinated with the dung gate okay here's three dung gates okay the flesh gate the eye gate and the pride gate and it's all bad news and the question is which one is the weakest gate for you think about your heart And there is a gate, one of these three, that you have not locked and you have not guarded, and it's wide open. Wide open for what? For Satan's system to be worked so that infiltration is made easy into the heart through one of these three gates. And the longer we've lived with our gate unlocked and wide open and unguarded, the more that the enemy has built a fortress in that particular entrance, God is bigger. I don't know who needs to hear that, but God is bigger than all of the years of you doing your thing and allowing the enemy to build his thing that in a moment, do you believe it? I was praying with someone this past week and I just said, God, they've been struggling with this for so many years and even decades And God, you are able to, in a moment, bring it all crashing down. Whatever the enemy has built up, God, you're able to destroy. This doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. You can do it in a moment. Do you believe that? Not just believe that for somebody else. Do you believe it for you? I've been this way for so long and I've done this so long and, and I've given the enemy a foothold for so long and I've allowed him to creep in and do his thing for so long and there's no way I'm just getting out of this and there's no way I can change. And I would just say today, uh, yes, you can, but your tactics and the battle strategy that you have is not gonna work, but God's, God's is. So we all have a weak gate and over time we've been given in, we've given in anybody with me we've given in so hard to resist because we've always said yes easy access was the sign on that gate easy access just come on in maybe some of you just posted satan doors open year after year after year and the things of the world are the gates and worldliness is leaving a gate unguarded what type of stuff are we talking about? It's got to be alliterated because just every, every good preacher has got to have alliteration, all right? Four S's. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Here we go. What types of things are we talking? What type of worldliness gets in? Substance, stuff, sex, status. There's your four, all right? Substance, stuff, sex, and status. We're talking substance legal or illegal. Hey, 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 pastor, it's okay. It's legal. It's legal. We're not concerned about legal or illegal. We're concerned about control, and God's not in control. We're talking about desires being fulfilled horizontally where God has promised vertically. It doesn't matter if it's legal or illegal. Do you believe that? As long as it's not wrong by my city, county, state, nation, then it's okay. And we didn't check the book. We didn't ask God what he thought about that. Substance. How about stuff? Well, I know somebody, they, they got an issue with stuff, right? Materialism was, was mentioned, right? And I know, I know stuff and having so much of it. Any hoarders in the house? Don't raise your hand. All right, there'll be confession afterwards. We're talking about not quantity of stuff. Here's another one. Here's another one. Can we be helped this morning? We're not talking about whether your stuff is little and their stuff is big. Because we're always looking around and going, my addiction may be little porcelain dolls. Their addiction is buying brand new trucks and houses, okay? If you want to talk to somebody about a stuff problem, talk to them. And can we just clarify this morning? God doesn't care about the size. He doesn't care about the quantity. He cares about the love that you have, that you're not willing to let go, that you're not willing to be content without it, that you're not willing. It's a heart issue. It's never been about the what and the how much. How about sex? We just have to clarify, physical or virtual. The gate has been open for an entire generation since the moment that they have been born. Could, could we have a generational talk? Can everybody handle that? It's really difficult for some of us in the house to understand the struggles of different generations because the gate wasn't open for you when it was opened for them. When three-year-olds are looking at pornography and you go, why are teenagers struggling? Why is this such an issue? I don't struggle like that. What were you doing at three? You weren't staring at naked women on your iPad. It's different. When it enters, how much, how fast, what age? For some of us, you go, you don't understand how hard it would be to stop drinking or chewing or smoking. I've been doing it since I was young well there's a lot of people going i tried it when i was 25 and i quit it's not a big deal and then you talk to people like me i was nine you want to talk about difficulty of quitting an addiction it matters when the gate was open and how much of a fortress the enemy has built in that particular entrance i don't know what it is for you but sex is such an issue and welcome to church And welcome to the place that we should be talking about sex probably every week because God is the creator of sex and it's beautiful. Satan creates nothing but takes everything God creates and twists it to destroy us. Satan is not a creator. He takes beautiful things. He takes good things and he twists it and he kills us with it, especially in this area of sex. It's just, it's just, it's only. If those things come out of our mouths, we just got to ask, Is that the language of Jesus or the world when we go, it's not a big deal, it's only, it's not a big deal, it's not like, and and as we're working with the next generation, most of the conversations are how far is too far? Let's talk about that. Let's help them lock the gate. Let's assist them at a young age. Let's help lead by example in the perversion that is in our minds and comes out of our mouth and the activities we do in private as adults that we should be making some headway And yet an entire generation's going, you do it, you do it. I know it's difficult for some of us depending on how long the gate's been open, but we need to fight. And every generation is dependent on us fighting that have gone before. Are we willing to do that? Not for the sake of ourselves only, for the sake of the church, for the sake of generations to come. Lastly, status. And we're talking about private or public. Why why do I say that? There's a lot of people that are obsessed with their image and status, and it's not a public thing. People wouldn't know by looking at them. It's a heart thing. It's a battlefield of the mind thing. It's an obsession over how people think. And guess what? The majority of us struggle with this in so many different ways. As a worship team, every Sunday morning we're talking about fear of man and, and what people think and the anxiety that comes with the obsession over our image. And guess what? This isn't for those that you might think it is. This isn't a struggle where the gate's wide open for those that flaunt it, for those that are posting it, for those that are going public. Even though that's a very real struggle, the vast majority, especially in the church, it's a struggle internally. It's a constant replaying of, why did they say that about me? What did they mean by that? And did I look bad? And did they humiliate me in front of other people? And who else heard that? Obsessed, 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 obsessed. Status. And I don't know when Satan got in, but does he have you? And if so, Jesus releases us from those things. Do you believe that? That there's freedom from substance and the stuff and the sex and the status that has kept us trapped. And we're not ignorant of Satan's tactics. Did you know? So this past week was super fun for me, all right? Do pastors have fun sitting around in the Bible? You bet they do. Genesis and Matthew, okay? You don't have to go there, but I I think you have that in your bulletin. Do you know what's incredible to me? Is that in 1 John, right at the end of the Bible, there is the summary of these three main enemies. And guess what? It was all the way back in the garden in Genesis with Eden right there starting off in Genesis 3.6. And guess what? It repeats itself where? Not just the first book of the Old Testament, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew in chapter four, we see the exact same three laid out. Anybody seeing a pattern here? Somebody say, I'm seeing a pattern. Seeing a pattern, I'm seeing a pattern. There's something keeps showing up. Should we walk through them? Yes, we shall. Here we go. Desire of flesh, desire of flesh. Where does that show up? Not just in 1 John 2. In the Garden of Eden, Eve saw the tree was good for food. Flesh said, yes, I must have it. Where else does it show up? In the wilderness. Anybody remember Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights? He's on the verge of starvation. He is fasting. Satan shows up at the opportune time to tempt him. How does Satan tempt him? The same way he's always tempted. He tempts the exact same way. It's so predictable. Anybody seeing the predictability? What do we see? Command stones to become Bread, verse three. Satan, can you please just get a new playbook? Can you come up with something original? No, he cannot. All he needs is three. That's it, and he just does it over and over. And guess what? Every generation falls for it over and over. Each one of us, all it takes is these three, over and over again from the very beginning all the way to the very end until Jesus comes. Here it is, desire the flesh. How about desire the eyes? Did that show up in the beginning? (laughs) Eve saw it, and what? It was a delight to the eyes. Oh, food, flesh, Mm, delight to the eyes. I see it, I must have it. Do we we see that showing up in the temptation of Jesus? Yes, in Matthew 4 and verse 9. All these I give you. Look around. Do you see all of these kingdoms? Do you see all of these cities? In a moment, they're yours. Just look. You want it, don't you? I can give it to you. Pride of life. Where's this showing up? Shows up in the garden. If you eat it, it's not just gonna be like, oh, that was so delicious. And it's not just attractive to the eyes. It's going to provide you with something. It's going to make you wise. Are you saying that I'm missing something right now that I could have that could elevate me? Yes. Did he do that with Jesus? You bet he did. In the wilderness? Go ahead, throw yourself down. Because guess what, Jesus? You know who you are. You have at your command legions, tens of thousands of angels that can swoop down and rescue you. You know who you are. You're kind of a big deal show it off, display to the world of what you have at your disposal, status. And every single time that Jesus said, no, Satan, Adam and Eve said, yes, yes, yes. And for so long, our story has been, yes, yes, yes. I don't know if you've come to the place where you recognize that you need Jesus. He's the only one that can say no to temptation. He's the only one that has conquered all of this temptation in this world. The system has been conquered by the conqueror. Jesus has overcome Satan and sin and death. Left to ourselves, we say yes. By the power of Jesus, we can and must say no. How about this? Number three, worldly love destroys fatherly love. Verse 16, for all that's in the world, do you see it there? 1 John 2, 16, for all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, he clarifies it. It's not from the Father. None of this is from the Father. It's, it's from the world. And so it's only right that we would say this morning, if I really, really love God, I will fight worldly affections. If I say yes to God, I must say no to the temptations of the world. They go together. I cannot call myself a faithful, obedient Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Do you continually give in to these three? Yes. Then John would say, you're a liar. You're a phony. You're a fake. You're an imitator. Because either the love of the Father is in you and you are saying no to the world's desires, or your lifestyle is a pattern of saying yes to the world and you have no relationship with God. It's either or. That's what he says here. And we tend to attack people that differ from us and we go, well, what about them? And at least I don't. And what if this morning God is just bringing us back to the place he keeps bringing us? What about you? Not them, not her, not him. Where are you at? And you're not trying to be non-worldly to try to achieve a right standing with god may say it's not that it's not like i just need to be less worldly so i'm going to work really hard at being less worldly god are you happy with me god are you satisfied it doesn't work that way because the reality is if you have received the love of the father the process has begun of the desires being pushed being displaced little by little out of your heart as his love dominates so what describes your current lifestyle If you can't get honest in church, I don't know where you can get honest, right? What describes your current lifestyle? Those that observe and they're not right to judge you and they're not right to criticize you. But if you are with King Jesus, if you're following him, it will be evident. People will see and observe. What are they seeing? Only you know what's going on inside of you. Not a single person knows your heart, right? Do you believe that? God knows the heart. We don't know the heart. I don't know the heart we see the fruit, we can ask some questions, we can help assess, but only you can make that assessment honestly about what's going on in you. Is there fatherly love inside of you? Is it pushing away self-will? Is it leading to, God, your will be done, no matter what it is. God, it's got to get out of the way if it doesn't line up with your word. How about this? Number four, worldly love is temporary, but God's love is forever. Anybody think that's good news? All of the promises of this world fading fast, falling away, but there is something that lasts forever. I don't know about you. I came to a place a couple decades ago that I recognized I do not want to live what lasts for a little while. I don't want to pour time and energy and effort into things that are so temporary. Have you come to that place? I'm so tired of exhausting myself in things that fall apart and fail and rust that leave me empty. Are you there? I want to live for what lasts forever. I want to live for what lasts forever. And here we have an answer. What's going to last forever? Please, I want to live for something that cannot fail. Verse 17, the world is passing away along with its desires. All of it's passing away. But, somebody say but. but. oh, But whoever does the will of God abides forever. God, I want to do your will. I want your love in me, through me, and it's going to last forever. Never before have we lived in a day of instant gratification, and I want it now, and I don't care what the cost is. Give it to me fast. I cannot wait, and never before has God been telling his people, live for what lasts forever. Whatever brings the immediate is probably not the real thing. So what is it in your life where the gate has been opened, it brought immediate gratification, And God's saying, close the door. Lock it up. Start destructing what Satan has built in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come against that. Be free to live in God's love, not for God's love, out of God's love. Do I do what Jesus did or what the world does? Do I do what Jesus did or what the world does? Because I'm in the world. We're in this together. I'm in the world. But I have to ask, am I worldly?" we are a missional church meaning we are on mission we are living on his mission we are not casual we're not falling asleep we are not complacent we are not seeking to just show up and do the bare minimum we are on his mission his mission to make disciples to go in his power with his authority and to be able to speak in his name and to be able to do a work where through me i see lives change and transform do you believe that that we're on mission that every single day we wake up and go. I have a reason to wake up today. Some of us are like, I need to set my alarm earlier. I need to stop hitting snooze. For some of us, we, we sit certain nights and go, why am I even here? What's the point of life? Our entire community is saturated with suicidal, hopeless depression. And the church is the only place. you believe it? The church is the only place where we go, I know why I exist. I know why I'm here. I'm on a mission. Because I used to be of the world. I was where you were at, and now I'm on a mission where I'm not of it. I'm still here, but here's here's the thing we miss sometimes. I used to be of the world, but now I'm sent into it. Are you? I used to be in the world, and I'm not just not of the world. I'm actually being sent to penetrate through enemy lines.